1: it's time to take command with former nfl tight end logan paulson and former commander's beat reporter craig hoffman
0: welcome into take command i'm craig hoffman that is logan paulson and we have a really cool show for you today warren sharp is our guest from sharp football analysis he is just one of the smartest guys breaking down the nfl and logan Full transparency to the audience. We already talked to him and it was a really good conversation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was really good. He was a very bright guy. And um, yeah, man, I just love the way he's thinking about football. I love the way he's breaking stuff down. So absolutely, you know, look forward to getting that conversation to you guys.
0: Yeah, and then on the back end of that, Logan and I are going to react to some of that and kind of go deeper. And you know, Warren is is great, and but our time with him was limited for today. So like we touched on a lot of big picture things, and then a little bit, obviously, or I wouldn't say a little bit, a decent amount on the commanders, but not quite in the depth that I I would have liked to get in if we had more time. So Logan, we can dive into a lot more of the. Some of the stuff that he's pointed out, and I know he's also been putting stuff out on Twitter this morning uh, and some of the stats and where Washington ranks and how all the the conversations interplay. So Logan and I will have more football talk on the back end of the conversation with Warren as if that somehow wasn't enough football talk. Obviously, the biggest story right now in Commander's Land is the continuing negotiations between Dan Snyder's lawyers and the House Oversight Committee because this is how this works. We're going to record this. And five minutes after we're done, the House Oversight Committee is going to put out a statement saying something. Uh, we'll obviously find out. Uh, Dan Snyder yesterday saying that he will not accept uh, service of the subpoena. That they still like he will uh, appear voluntarily. And to break down like what that means. I would suggest anyone who wants more info on that to head to the Hoffman Show podcast feed and check out my interview with Alicia Jessup yesterday. And then, of course, if more news does break, we will have more on the Hoffman Show this afternoon on the Team 980 from 3 to 6 p.m. And we will have more, if, if you can't listen live, in our podcast feed there, um, so we're not really going to touch on that story on this podcast today, just because it is a fluid situation. It feels like something that could definitely have more breaking news uh, coming into the equation, and the last thing we want to do is put out a podcast and then have it be rendered mute by a statement from the House Oversight Committee five minutes after, like before it's even out, because that's happened to us. Well, we're trying to remember what it what it was. Oh, it was last it week. Last week, yeah, with, with Trent Williams. We did a whole bit on about how uh, he. He didn't make the ninety he was person. And it was unfair. Ballad. And uh, and then we stopped recording. I didn't even put the podcast out yet. And they said uh, actually we're putting Trent and I felt and smart and validated you were because very we talked smart. about RG and the R G made the ballot too.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that's why but I mean also the interview on your show was very good. So why do we need to retread ground there? Same voice. Also, you can listen to Craig's other podcast or his other show, which is always advantageous for everybody. Can you link that in the description or some crazy thing like
0: that? Yeah, you're someone who listens listens to podcasts, clearly. Uh, (laughs) I will link the interview with Alicia. And really, actually, what I'll do is I'll link the 5 o'clock hour from yesterday's show in the description. Because not only was Alicia very good, um, I actually had two different lawyers call the show um mm. and like hey i this is my area of expertise or i come at this cuz alicia was a prosecutor and then we had a couple defense attorneys call and be like well i look at it this way and so it was very good that whole hour of radio to get a lot of different perspectives from the legal field considering how complicated a lot of this stuff is so alicia provided a ton of answers like one of the things i was wondering is like how do you just you just stay overseas and you can avoid a subpoena? And the answer is, if it's a congressional subpoena, yes. If it's a judicial subpoena, no. So like, I learned about judicial versus right. congressional subpoenas yesterday. And so all that stuff is is in the podcast feed, again, at Hoffman Show, slash in the description, uh, as long as I remember to put it there, which uh, makes note, okay, you I will. should remember will. Yeah. to put it there. All right, so quick break, come back and our chat with Warren Sharp, and then Logan and I will do more football on the back end of that. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. Our guest today on Take Command is Warren Sharp, and Warren is simply one of the smartest guys analyzing the NFL. He has been working for years to create a number of statistics and different ways of looking at the game and kind of formulate them and, and make it really, frankly, easy to digest, and, and I think does an amazing job of establishing patterns and different things that a lot of us see, but then he can put numerical value to and and then add context with analysis on top of that. So with that, Warren, welcome. I know that you are glad to be talking about about all the research that you've done, not in the midst of doing it. Uh, Congrats on the book that just came out as well. uh, And and welcome to the podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's definitely much more fun meeting with guys like you guys, as opposed to sitting around working until 3am, trying to come up with something inventive or creative that people didn't know, as you just mentioned, you know, that's what I'm really trying to look for. I'm trying to find out why did teams not meet their goals every year? 31 teams don't meet their goal. And uh, and what did they change from last year to this year that might help them perform a little bit better? And so it's a ton of fun, but it's a ton of work. And I'm always glad when that day is done and the book is out.
0: So obviously we'll talk a lot about the commanders uh, in that. But I know that one of the things that you do inherently in looking at all these different trends is see things that emerge league wide. What are some of the things that you noticed on a league-wide scale in 2021 that you expect to maybe change in 2022?
2: Well, change, I think it's going to be up to the offenses this year to – adjust to the cover two shells that were being presented at such an alarming rate for them last season we saw a lot of teams struggle with those especially teams that pass the football a lot early in the season all of a sudden the Kansas City Chiefs Patrick Mahomes got thrown a ton of the cover two shell that they had to figure out and they started throwing the ball even shorter than they typically do, Um, and now they're going to be dealing without Tyreek Hill, and they're going to try to have to figure out how to gain more yards after the catch, despite Hill, who's one of the best in the NFL. Um, There's a lot of other teams that were dealing with that as well. The Philadelphia Eagles, a team in your uh, own division. They were passing the ball at an insane rate to start last season, and they realized that defenses were playing outside of the box. They were dropping guys back. They weren't filling the box. Actually, Jalen Hurts saw the third lowest rate of seven-plus men in the box on early downs through the first seven weeks of the season. And so they adjusted to that, and they started running the ball a lot more. But how will defenses choose to play them now that they have been running the ball uh, so much? So last year was this— Uh, more of the cover two shell that was being presented. And I think it's now up to the offenses to try to figure out a way to adjust for that this offseason and be better prepared entering the year.
1: Um, And when you're talking about cover two shells, do you draw a distinction between quarters and and cover two? Are you simply just denoting like a middle field open structure uh, when you're making that analysis?
2: Mostly middle field open. Uh, we saw a much higher rate of that being played last season. Um, any type of coverages that invite the run is basically what we saw rise last year compared to years past. And defenses intelligently are trying to do that more. I mean, when you looked at the Buffalo Bills, one of the biggest issues that kind of I anticipated they would be facing entering the season, given their twenty. 20-year and how they rode to uh, Josh Allen to the championship and Brian Dable started passing the ball a whole lot more was, what if defenses try to get us to run the football more because we're not really good at running the football and we don't really want to run the football. And we know the rules are totally skewed in the NFL towards favoring the offenses. Uh, For years, they've been making these adjustments to increase scoring because they know that that increases fan interaction, more people watch the games, fantasy football, all this type of stuff. It depends on people scoring points on the football field and so we have seen those rules be thrown to the advantage of the offense teams intelligently most teams there are still some that don't and that's who we call out in the book of course that run the football too much on early downs but most of these teams have started passing the ball a bit more that pass rate has increased and now it's going to be very interesting as defenses try to invite the run more and they're okay with Look, on first and second down, I'd rather the Chiefs run the ball for four yards a carry, and if they face third and short, so be it. But I don't want to give up a nine-yard pass from Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill on first down.
1: But obviously that philosophy has its limitations, right? Like uh, who was it, LA, the L.A. Chargers last year. They are known that in that Brandon Sealy defense for inviting the run, but then you average over five yards a carry, and obviously that's not a tenable solution moving forward. So you need to kind of walk that razor's edge, correct?
2: Absolutely, and the Chargers went and made some of the moves this offseason to try to help fix that problem. Fortunately, they were one of the defenses that were able to do that and address that because they have Justin Herbert on his rookie deal. And so he's cheap, and so they were able to go out there. Their GM was able to pick – up specific players to try to help fill that void. He took uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, just plucked him right off of the Rams, and he is a great run-stuffing DT. Um, and so I think they're going to be much better prepared for that this year. As you alluded to, they were the worst team defending the run last season. Staley wants to invite the run. You know, Vic Fangio wants to invite the run. But when you don't have somebody up there who could play that position, it's going to be difficult. And that's why I think a guy like a Jordan Davis was such a hotly contested commodity this this year because he's such a big defensive tackle. You could stick there and hopefully play on at least the first two downs and try to lighten your box but still be able to slow down the run enough that offenses aren't really sure and they're put into conflict like do we try to run we're not gaining the five yards of carry like we were against the chargers but they've got so many guys in the secondary that are able to flood the coverage lanes that it's going to be difficult for us uh to throw the football and so that's where you would rather have the offenses being in the state of conflict where they're really not sure what the best strategy is to attack your defense
0: So as far as the commanders go, you said you try to identify why every team doesn't reach their goals. I think there's some obvious ones last year. Injury, they had the COVID situation. And like there's stuff beyond the football strategy that clearly impacted their season. There's also a lot of football stuff that impacted their season that did not go well last year. What are the things you identified for Washington as areas to to work on and fix, whether via personnel transactions or by strategy in 2022?
2: Well, I think from a talent perspective at the quarterback position, you now have the most talented quarterback that that you've had for several years in terms of what his arm talent is able to do. I think the frustration that you guys may run into, though, is just um, the the things that you watched him struggle with in Philadelphia, and some of those is is brain farts, like on these key clutch situations, uh, his ratio of sacks and interceptions on third down is one of the highest in the NFL. He freezes up and clutches up in some of those key critical situations. The same is true when he's down inside of the red zone the last couple of years. Um, The other thing that I think Carson Wentz really has struggled with over the last couple of years uh, since he's returned from injury we know he suffered injury uh, the ACL the year they won the Super Bowl then he started off camp the next year rehabbing that and then the following offseason is when he hurt his back and so he was coming back from that and rehabbing that in the offseason dealing with some back issues. His accuracy has has been terrible. Uh, actually, out of all quarterbacks that have thrown at least 600 attempts over the last two years, he ranks dead last in the NFL in quarterback accuracy. Um, the one thing that you guys do a good job of, and Scott Turner has done a good job of this, um, is trying to make accuracy not as big of an issue for the various quarterbacks that have worked through your system by lowering the a dot and you guys have the lowest a dot in terms of depth of target on uh, excuse me
1: what warren what's a dot can you explain that please
2: yeah it's it's average depth of target you guys are throwing the ball closer to the line of scrimmage than any other team in the nfl over these last couple of years and in some ways that's a positive because the quarterback a he doesn't have to worry about the offensive line pressure and so that's another thing i'll transition to in a second. Um, But B, you're able to get higher percentage completions when you're just getting the ball into these receivers' hands closer to the line. Um, And when that occurs, you're going to have more opportunities in general for yards after the catch the problem is though that it can become too predictable for the defenses and you're not challenging them enough down the field I think Carson provides that dynamic and that element where he will be trusted more to push the ball down the field compared to some of these other quarterbacks that you've had to work with I mean we we, Alex Smith like it would have been fun to see Ryan Fitzpatrick in this offense for a little while unfortunately you know that didn't work out but um, Alex Smith and Taylor Heineke like now we've got a quarterback who will be trusted more to push the ball down the field to some of your more uh, dynamic wide receivers. But then it becomes incumbent upon your offensive line. I think the offensive line is one of the most interesting elements that I wrote about in the book, and that's because you look at uh, Pro Football Focus, and they've consistently graded your offensive line top five in pass protection and and, and blocking in general. But the key question that I have is, um, is that primarily driven by the fact that the quarterbacks are getting rid of the ball so quickly? Because we have found based on analytics that quarterbacks actually control a lot of the pressure that they take on. Um, You know, at first we view like five, 10 years ago, it was always about like the offensive line. How good's the line? How good's the line? But now what we're realizing is quarterbacks can help, control how much pressure gets invited, how many sacks they take by how quick their decision making is and how quickly they're throwing the football and how low is that A dot. And when you've got a team like Washington who's throwing the ball so short all of the time, um it's definitely going to make your O-line look better like they can handle pass protection better. But when I go back and I look at okay, isolate only the plays where they threw the ball beyond the first down marker or isolate only the plays on like second and third and long where they have to throw the ball at least eight yards, where their pass goes at least eight yards. Um, they're they're average to below average in pressure rates for the quarterbacks over the last couple of years. So this is an instance where I think some of the pro football focus grades are uh, over accounting for something that I think is actually more of a limitation and a problem compared to, uh, and, and that's going to be an issue for Carson because Carson doesn't do as well under pressure. And this is when Carson tends to have some of his struggles. So if that O-line is inviting pressure and he's not throwing the ball as quickly as you know Washington's been doing recently, he's trying to push the ball further down the field, that could be a problem for uh, Carson and the commander's offensive line this upcoming season. It's really interesting to hear you talk about that because a lot of what I watch when I watch the team,
1: I feel that innately, but it's interesting to hear you quantify it.